Big Conversations Little Bar with your hosts Randy Florence and Patrick Evans featuring candid conversations with the Coachella Valley's most interesting and influential people. Pull up a bar stool and enjoy Big Conversations Little Bar. Welcome to another edition of Big Conversations Little Bar. I'm Patrick Evans and I'm joined by my trusty co-host, the gentleman who thought of this crazy idea in the first place, Randy Florence. Good afternoon, Patrick. It is great to be here at Little Bar, our uh, unofficial sponsor, but also host. And the center of the Coachella Valley universe. It's what Skip keeps telling us, and we believe it. <laughs> Since we're taking up his biggest table, we have to say that. We should. <laughs> this is always a lot of fun, and uh, Randy and I, we kind of banty about different names to bring in as guests, uh, and usually the people we really want to get will just tell us no, but obviously today's guest doesn't know us well enough to turn to us have down. Said no, right. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty much guaranteeing there won't be a second one oh no i think he's going to become a right he might be our third co-host <laughs> he's going to enjoy this experience that much i like that well let's introduce our guest by all means let me uh introduce uh this podcast to john bolton senior vice president with the oakview group john welcome glad to be here Thanks especially a little here. bar one of my faves <laughs> this is definitely my fave and this has been my favorite booth the whole time so now, you know for the folks who don't know the oakview group of course it's all about the Acrisure arena here of course in in the desert and uh, some people have likened the arena uh saying that it's the biggest thing to happen to the valley since frank sinatra which uh, i think is uh, pretty high praise it's kind of a big deal this arena it's a really big deal, and we're going to talk about that because I have a feeling it's going to drastically change the landscape of this valley in the future. Well, thank you. In a number of different ways. Well, I think it really already has, and I think uh, just I'll, t- I'll tell you this. When the idea first popped up and we were reporting on it uh, on KESQ, I would hear the stories, and I know originally they were going to put it in downtown Palm Springs, and that seemed like a terrible idea. But I just thought this is one of those projects that gets a lot of talk, and it'll be the buzz for a little while. It's never going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you drive down the 10, you pass the Classic Club, and there's this big hole, and they start building this arena, and boom, here it is. And it's made already very quickly an indelible mark, bringing in, you know, first of all, of course, having our own uh, hockey team that people rally around, but then just all of the other events that an arena of that size opens up, it really has changed the entertainment landscape in the Coachella Valley. And uh, so, John, it's really fun to have you on because obviously you've been instrumental in that and and uh, helping to make it come to fruition. And so I'm kind of curious, uh, it, with this new venue, yep. uh, it's, it's had a great beginning. What does its future look like? Where do we go from here with the Acrisure? Well, I think uh, we, we certainly build on the successes that we've had uh, to date. Uh, you know, we're growing our database. Uh, we're getting to know people who are here seasonally so that we can connect with them uh, year-round, which I think is really important. And, uh, you know, we, we really just want to continue delivering uh, great shows and great events and, uh, you know, elevating the hockey team and making sure that they're continuing to be successful and uh you know, uh, just attract as many cool events as we can year-round. So I want to talk to you about that because, uh, obviously, Oakley Group, you guys have arenas like this mm-hmm. in lots of different markets. But are any of them as seasonal as the Coachella Valley? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I, you know, n- nothing immediately comes to mind. 
especially from our owned and operated side. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, definitely this is a, a unique uh, you know venue for us, uh, and that's why we're you know really focused on you know trying to you know build our database and uh, make sure that uh, we can communicate with everybody when they are not here uh, because we know they'll be coming back uh, next year and so when shows go on sale it's really important to have that contact there um, and you know the good news is I mean we we have concerts throughout the entire summer uh, we've got stuff you know Memorial Day Labor Day weekend I mean it's 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 it, you know we're, we're testing uh, everything that we can to see how far we can push uh, to do as many events uh, during that off season as possible. Well, you know, I certainly feel like we are a year-round market, but obviously a seasonal market as well. But in the 20 years that I've lived here, uh, I mean, there was when I first moved here, you could fire a cannon down Palm Canyon Drive in August and never hit anybody and not a car, and, and the cops would never come. Uh, it's different now, uh, but by the same token, you've got a you know an arena that seats 10, 11,000 people. And that gets harder to fill here in the summer. So uh, it's yeah, and it's you know we we focused really hard on really trying to attract uh, and claim Riverside County as kind of our home base because that's you know two and a half million people who call Riverside County home. So if we can find a way to get everyone in in Riverside County engaged, that is a ton enough people to have a very successful year-round venue. And, uh, you know, that's what we're, we've been focused on uh, and will continue to do so as, as we continue to have more events. And the population of what we refer to as the snowbirds, the people from the northwest in Canada, they've really helped us with the success of this hockey team, haven't they? Oh, my gosh. I don't think we would have a hockey team in the desert without that support because, uh, you know, they're... They're, you know, tremendous hockey fans, grew up with hockey, uh, you know, grew up ice skating. You know, that that was natural uh, for them from pretty much, uh, you know, two or three years old. So having those core group of people who are really into hockey, uh, not only from Canada, but, you know, the Northwest and, you know, all the way over to, you know, Chicago, all those people grew up with hockey. So it just, uh, you know, I don't think we could do it without them. Well, I think the Firebirds did a really brilliant job of pre-marketing mm-hmm. and getting involved with like the YMCA and doing street hockey events with kids because they stepped in prior to the puck being dropped for the first game and really introduced people who may not have had very much exposure to hockey and really kind of got them invested and made them stakeholders in this team that was coming to town. And I think that was really brilliant. I know it was a well-conceived plan, but it was well-executed. Well, you know, it's, uh, you know it's, it's been really exciting to, you know, introduce street hockey to everybody before we opened and to really, you know, focus on doing street hockey in every one of the cities in the Valley and not just, you know, east side or west side, but really trying to delve deep and find as many kids and families uh, to be introduced to street hockey as possible and knowing that, you know, the Burger Foundation Iceplex would be opening soon uh, once we opened and uh, just, you know, giving a good entree for people to understand what, what was coming next. The the stuff that you have brought into the arena already, uh, you know, we were talking earlier offline a couple of years before the arena, there were people coming into town. I think we were a couple of months away from seeing Snoop Dogg at an old Sam's Club in La Quinta at one point. That was going to be the big entertainment center. <laughs> Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it didn't happen. That Sam's Club is still empty. Um, but my point is, is that we heard a lot of these things coming into town and all of a sudden this arena is here. And 
Harry Styles is performing here on his birthday and ending his tour. Looking in the paper this morning and looking at the list of venues that KISS is finishing off their career with and seeing Acrisure Arena on there, that's pretty cool, John. How does that make you feel? It's it's tremendously rewarding uh, to see everything, you know, come into place because uh, obviously, you know, I, I moved here well over three years ago and so it's been a you know a long process but definitely a quick build so to speak so to finally you know have the building open uh, in December and you know the 30 plus you know major events we've had since then and the 300,000 plus tickets we've sold uh, just in this short period of time I think really you know gives us a lot of hope for the future and uh, you know having great shows like Kiss and others uh, you know is cool because you know what what everybody has to understand is, you know, this area was not a tour stop on any tour. We might've had shows at Coachella or Stagecoach, um, but, you know, Palm Desert, California was never on, you know, the Lizzo routing or Kiss or whatever. It's, it's, so it's, it's great to see that happening and people embracing the venue and the market and, and us establishing ourselves as a tour stop. Oh, and, that was really key. Obviously, the number of seats you provide mm-hmm. is is the key to getting those kinds of acts. Uh, I mean, you know, I I was lucky enough to be at the uh, the Eagles concert, which was incredible. Uh, they had performed here before at the Indy Wells Tennis Garden, for sure. But that was kind of a one off thing. It wasn't part of a tour per se. This uh, and this was a special kind of grand opening concert that they wanted to be a part of. But it, having what is it the magic number? In terms of attracting that kind of group, like, uh, you know. well, I mean, the great news is the the way the building was designed. It was really designed, uh, obviously, to for every seat to be a good seat first, but secondly, to be pretty much you know ninety percent of our seats are in the lower bowl. Uh, so to really be able to push the P one pricing on tickets to be able to get the grosses high enough to attract the level of talent like the Eagles. And uh, so that was very, we were very cognizant of the numbers that we needed to have to make that work, but at the same time, create a really intimate uh, environment for music and concerts and events. And I think, you know, we, we found that middle road, so to speak. And, and the great news is, is that, you know, with the roof structure that we have, um, you know, from a weight perspective, we can accommodate any tour that's touring anytime, anywhere. So that's the great news about where we are and then being able to push P1 pricing when we have to to get the grosses high enough uh, to attract that level of talent. All right, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on that, but that, so that's very interesting. It's not just the number of seats available, but it is at what price point. Exactly. And so the lower bowl, bowl seating section that's big. It's instrumental in how you price those tickets. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes I, sense I as you walk into the arena. I just learned a lot about his business in the first three <laughs> minutes. This is this is good stuff. Well, uh, Skip described the arena as the bottom half of the Staples Center. Yes. And I think that's just a fantastic description of it. Yeah. We looked at the forum a lot when we were looking at this building and trying to create that kind of 
nice environment that was really one level. And I think, you know, being able to walk in at ground level and then go down to your seat, it just, it's, it's a really great, great feeling. And, you know, the seven or 150 seats that we have upstairs that are club seats, you know, are, are fantastic. And you look at, you know, at the back of the bowl, you're like, oh my God, this is the worst seat in the house. And they're amazing. It's yeah. like the mezzanine in a theater. It's, 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 it's truly amazing. Uh, I've so. been lucky enough to be at a few hockey games with Randy and, and a couple of different shows. Uh, and it's true, there are no bad seats in that. The in bourbon that, uh, bar seats are amazing. Once you've had a couple of Garrison Brother bourbons, <laughs> you might think the Eagles are playing, but it's still the hockey team. Uh, People love those two spaces. <laughs> they the Garrison really Brothers and the Locker Tequila. Uh, obviously, you've been in, intimately involved in the construction of this particular arena, and, and you've been here, as you said, three-plus years. But uh, you also serve as VP of, of the entire Oakview Group. So talk a little bit about kind of your duties there and, and how, how you work throughout the Oakview Group, kind of organizing all of these different arenas and the different acts and the, and the things that you all do. Yeah, so and, and maybe talk about the recent restructure of the organization, too. Yeah, John. so, um, you know, obviously, you know, my background um, for 16 years, I uh, worked for SMG, which was kind of the competitor to OVG. Uh, SMG merged with um, AEG facilities to create ASM Global, and that's the company I worked for before I came here. And in my prior job, um, I was, you know, I'd, I'd gone through and, and obviously opened arenas and been GMs of arenas. And but in the last five years before I came to work for OBG, I was a vice president of entertainment. So I worked to push talent to all of our arena stadiums and theaters. And so when I came on board um, with Oakview Group, um, you know, it was a, a similar type of role plus doing this project here. And now that we have, you know, this facility open, you know, my duties are still home base here, uh, working with Acrisure Arena, uh, but also working on projects to really help grow the company. Uh, and obviously we are a very fast growing company as, as you uh, know. and. And Tim Lawicki, our founder and CEO, um, obviously has done a tremendous job in growing the facility and just being able to, you know, the example of building this arena in 18 months in the state of California, I think is indicative of the overall, you know, impression that people have of Oakview Group. I mean, things happen really fast. And once, you know, Tim decides he wants to do something, it happens. And uh, so it's been incredible for me to be a part of that journey. Uh, the last, uh, you know, three, three and a half years. And obviously, um, you know, living uh, in the Coachella Valley um, is something that I thoroughly enjoy and uh, have enjoyed, you know, getting to know people here in the desert. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a wonderful experience for me personally uh, and professionally. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that we'll continue to have success uh, not only here, but, you know, all over the world. How many arenas do you guys operate? Uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we acquired um, a company called Spectra back in November. Uh, so the numbers are in the 300s wow. of facilities that we work with on uh, management, but also food and beverage uh, as well. So uh, are we, they all of similar size? No, or? they're all all over the place oh, yeah. and all different kinds of venues from theaters, to convention centers, stadiums to arenas. Uh, we have uh, the Arena Alliance. We have a Theater Alliance of, of, of different venues as well. So, you know, the 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 amount of, um, you know, kind of overall, you know, feelings that, you know, and, and, and 
imprints that we have on all of all, all of the venues throughout North America and all over the world uh, is truly tremendous to have occurred in this short amount of time that you know since Tim and Irving founded the company. So, John, you left your previous position, came to Oakview. How does that happen? Do you see an ad in the paper? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, do, do they have papers anymore? <laughs> so it's 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 a fun story. Um, I I had opened um, the BOK Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a uh, beautiful nineteen thousand seat venue, and Jeff Nickler, who was my assistant GM, he'd worked his way up to become a GM, and then when I left to go to work for SMG in the corporate office, um, he became the GM, and then. A couple of years later, uh, Irving reached out and asked, would he consider uh, running the Arena Alliance for OVG? And so he did. And uh, about, you know, six months to a year into that, um, Jeff said, hey, you know, I'd, I think it would be great for, for you to meet Francesca Bodie, um, who is president of business development. And uh, so I was out uh, for a conference uh, here in L.A., next to us, I guess, in L.A., and, uh, you know, we had breakfast and, uh, less than two weeks later, I was, uh, having, uh, drinks with Tim and Steve Collins in New York. Uh, I was living in Philadelphia at the time and, uh, you know, the deal was done that afternoon. And, uh, so started, you know, looking to put my house for sale in Philadelphia and, uh, you know, trying to find something here and, you know, by uh, Thanksgiving, it was all done. Had you been here before? Did you know the Valley? Yeah, I did. You know, obviously being in the entertainment business, spending a lot of time in LA. Um, and when I was in Tulsa, I uh, actually had a condo here over by the convention center on Avenida Caballeros. And uh, so was very familiar with the market, had been here a lot. Uh, and then when I moved to Philadelphia full time, ended up selling uh, the condo here, but obviously, you know, knew a great deal about the Valley and had been to, you know, events and been to Stagecoach and the McCallum and all that during the time, you know, when I, we would come out. So I imagine a lot of your industry and maybe some of your competitors might not have thought it was the wisest idea to put, build an arena in the Coachella Valley. What are they saying now? Well, I think they're, uh, you know, they're, they're still learning about it. Obviously, you know, it, it, it happened very fast. Um, but, you know, the shows that we've had, the success that we've had, you know, they, they've really, really taken notice. And, you know, I have to really give credit uh, to Tim because, you know, if you remember, you know, we originally were looking at Palm Springs uh, and then COVID hit and things kind of became very, very difficult. And it would have been so easy uh, for Tim and Oakview just to walk away and, and not do this project. Um, but, you know, not only did he double down on, you know, this arena, but all the others as well. You know, we didn't lay anyone off during that time period. Uh, we hired more people, you know, we continued to build. And so we really, you know, and everybody else was kind of asleep at the wheel. Uh, we were going, you know, 90 miles an hour uh, at, at, during that time. So, you know, we, it set us up uh, to be really successful coming out of covid and, uh, you know, that's where we are today. It's really remarkable to think about not, I mean, you're building entertainment venues during a pandemic where all entertainment venues are closed. 
Yes. You know, like you, you are investing heavily in something that you, at that moment, could not open if it was finished. And you're hoping you're going to be able to at some point. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's that's uh, really quite prescient. That's, that's pretty good yeah, foresight. It's, it's pretty amazing. And I, I kept, you know, kind of praying to myself that by the time we open, I hope we don't have to do masks. <laughs> because so many of my counterparts were opening back up and, you know, having to do masks and every tour was being rescheduled. And, you know, it was just, it was a kind of a patchwork of what people were doing in all different parts of the country. And so for some time there, I, I kind of felt pretty lucky to be in the process of building an arena versus managing one at that time because it was very difficult. Uh, and so many things changed and, you know, tours would cancel and somebody would get sick and then we'd be, we can't play there because of X, Y, and Z and we can't open, you know, just, it was, it was a mess. So obviously you guys have been around now for a little while. The arena's open. Um, You've gone through a little bit of a restructure at the organization. Talk to me a little bit about that, what the purpose was, and where you see yourself coming yeah. out of that. Yeah, so, I mean, the great news is is that <clears throat> the arena and the team are pretty much have the same ownership. So we, we've tried to kind of make the organizations kind of be one. Uh, and so we certainly had some overlap uh, in certain departments and things where you know, the arena and the team and, you know, some were doing the same type of work, but just, you know, one was for the team and one was for the arena. So giving us that opportunity uh, to kind of do a little bit of, you know, putting those things, you know, back kind of together as one organization because the ownership ended up being the same, um, I think sense. is really why, you know, we really looked at, at doing that. Where do you see the next iteration of the arena? What should we be looking for in terms of excitement in the future? Well, I think, you know, obviously continuing to build upon the success we've had and, and attracting more events. but And the ownership know, I, of the arena helps us with that, Yeah, right? absolutely, absolutely. But, I, you know, I hope to, you know, be able to announce some, you know, NBA exhibition game, NHL exhibition game. Uh, you know, hopefully some NCAA basketball. Um, I think some announcements on a podcast would be pretty important, <laughs> don't you? You know, anytime you have that sort of announcement, you should make yeah. it right here. Because our, our listener in Riverside would be really interested. This is where big conversations Amen. happen. It's right in the title. Uh, so I think it's, you know, it's, it's that. It's trying to tie into a lot of the existing things that happen in the Valley, uh, utilizing the parking lot and also... Um, the tremendous land that we have, you know, around the facility. I mean, obviously, we are big fans of the Burger Foundation and are very supportive of their efforts uh, to try to develop uh, the rest of the property that's around us. Uh, they've been amazing partners and, uh, you know, love them both personally and professionally. And, uh, you know, we, I feel like that's where, you know, a lot of the future uh, will be for that particular area because there's so much land to be developed and it's such a great location mid valley right on i-10 180,000 cars a day passing by our beautiful big marquees uh announcing all of our events so uh you know i i feel like that's kind of where you'll see a lot of kind of cool things happen uh in the future do i have it right that you graduated with a degree in health from the university of alabama I did graduate from the University of Alabama with a degree in healthcare management. Healthcare yes. management. Yes. 
Well, so that's how did you obviously moved this? you into arena management. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's it's an interesting story. So, and by I, the way, congratulations on Alabama today. Yes, they won their yes. first game. Yes, they did. That was good. And some there's been some upsets today. So, yes, <coughs> uh, my alma mater. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the University of Virginia, always a reliable loss in the first round. So, <laughs> so I yes. was looking forward to UVA meeting Alabama. So that yes. won't happen now. Um, so, um, it, regarding college, so I. I uh, went to University of Alabama on a kind of leadership scholarship, and there were 40 of us. And um, during that, my freshman year, we kind of participated in all these kind of leadership seminars and all this kind of stuff. And then at the end of our freshman year, we all got kind of placed in leadership roles on campus. And for some crazy reason, um, I became in charge of the fine art series um, of university programs, which was the organization on campus that did events. And uh, so my sophomore year, I put together a series of events uh, that we promoted as students. uh, And the National Association of Campus Activities picked the series that we did as best in the nation. Uh, So all of a sudden, you know, I had this, you know, amazing platform and experience of doing events and really, you know, enjoying it and loving it and then continued to do that. And then my senior year was president of the whole organization. And at that time, it was pretty unique in the amount of money that we had to promote events and concerts and lectures and films and comedians and all these kind of things. So by the time, you know, my senior year rolled around, I had been doing events and marketing and, you know, uh, producing stuff. And it was just, it just seemed really natural. But how I kind of got my first job was um, I was selling tickets at the University of Alabama. And at that time, there wasn't Ticketmaster or access ticketing. You know, it was hard tickets, if you remember those days. Oh, yeah. And so I was trying to sell, you know, a ticket to an event with three different prices, a, a student price, a faculty price, and then a general admission price. And you can imagine three stubs on one ticket was very confusing for people at the bookstore trying to uh, make that stuff work. <laughs> so there was a company in Birmingham uh, that I reached out to called Fastix, And I said, hey, will you help? Uh, sell tickets to my events and uh, they were like yeah we'd love to do that and um, they came on campus and we started doing our events uh, selling them computerized and you're doing this as a student as a student yes (laughs) Uh, and then uh, luckily uh, for them and for me um, the University of Alabama football kind of picked them up to sell a couple of thousands you know kind of tickets to football games that you know weren't particularly popular or you know no one no one you know, wanted to go to those games yes yes yeah you know, <laughs> like university of not Virginia, the lsu's something. of the world but you know some of those other <laughs> other schools uh and so once i graduated uh they kind of offered me a job uh doing that and because the owner of the company uh had been the manager of the charlie daniels band and promoted a lot of shows and stuff uh, we kind of took the the work that I had done doing kind of Broadway stuff uh, and, and those kind of shows and started promoting Broadway shows at the same time. I was running our phone room, all of our outlets, um, and really, really going to every event and settling that night. It wasn't like we do today where, you know, the money's wire transferred and all of that. I, I physically had to be there at every event. And, you were you know, counting write, it out. And- yes, write the check and, you know, here you go. And now we can settle the show and all that. So, wow. you know, it was a great experience for me as a, as a kid, um, you know, just being exposed to that many events on an early 
basis and being, you know, it was a lot of work. Obviously, it was every night at some venue, uh, but it was a lot of fun. And then uh, the company actually uh, sold uh, to a company that would become eventually Ticketmaster. Um, and I then went to work for um, a, a private management company, kind of like uh, OVG uh, in Indiana as director of marketing for an arena and uh, arena and an amphitheater at that time. Uh, so it was two, two different venues. And then uh, jumped from there uh, to become um, the GM of a theater complex in Kentucky, uh, which was kind of a unique experience. Um, you know, I had experience, you know, doing shows and stuff, but never really running a theater complex. And it was brand new, right on the Ohio River. Uh, it was home of the International Bluegrass Music Association and the Bluegrass Music Museum. And as a kid from Alabama, you know, you tried to avoid that, that type of music. You know, you didn't <laughs> want to be associated with anything like that. So it was kind of unique uh, to be involved in that. And it really grew on me. And, you know, that's where I discovered, you know, people like Alison Krauss. And, you know, just loved. It was just a unique experience uh, that, you know, I, I never would have, you know, even known where that part of the country was. Uh, but it just so happened that. When I went to interview at the arena, uh, the lady who uh, was the GM of the building was from Pensacola, Florida. I grew, grew up, you know, just north of there. Uh, the assistant GM was from Mississippi. Uh, so it just kind of felt like home. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of how the career kind of started, uh, but really just totally by accident. So you're at that point, your health career was over. Yes. Yeah, yes. Before it ever began. <laughs> yes. Before it ever began. Well, that's, yes. You know, that's interesting because obviously you kind of fell in love with doing the work yeah. uh, as a student, but it was, it was just almost a hobby really. Yeah, absolutely. But it was, it was awesome because, you know, like you would take a human resource management class and then you would have a group of people that you were kind of managing doing events and things like that. So it was, it was, it was kind of a great way to kind of, you know, immediately kind of be kind of on site and doing internship of what we were doing. And so, so much of, of our business is kind of what you learn when you really get in the door. Uh, because, the, you know, back in those days, there weren't really a lot of specific programs for sports management or venue management or things like that. So just getting that experience was really the key and then getting to know people. Uh, because, you know, once you, once you get your, your foot in the door, so to speak, um, you know, you can kind of go from there. How many people are there really in this country who do what you do? Uh, there are several thousand. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The uh, International Association of Venue Managers has, you know, thousands of, of, uh, of, of folks like myself who are involved. And if you think about it, you know, each venue, you know, has 30, 40, 50 full-time people. Uh, so, you know, there are, there are a lot of venues. <laughs> John, one of the things that we did when we put this podcast together is we, we, our original idea was to talk to people about music and music that might have meant something in their life. We've morphed a little bit off of that, but I still find that an interesting topic. Are there songs in your life that you could point back to and say, yeah, that meant something to me? Um, you know, I, I think about early on, you know, my parents, um, you know, uh, they were big into Elvis. Uh, you know, I was born in 67, so, you know, some of his last, you know, songs there were in the early 70s. Right. Uh, so I, 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 I listen remember to a lot some of, of those days, you know, and my parents would go see, you know, Elvis, and I remember that. Um, you know, and but I, I also, you know, kind of corny, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I remember the Johnny Mathis Christmas album <laughs> and, you know, the Ann Murray and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, 
But, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, what I, what I found throughout my career is that, you know, running a venue, you, you kind of, it's not so much about what you like. It's, it's kind of doing what other people like and trying to understand, you know, what people really want to see and what, and what, who they want to hear. Um, because, you know, you take the example of, um, you know, the Saturday night is Grupo Arisgado at the Akershire Arena. I mean, honestly, you know, I had never heard of this group. Um, so, you know, we're constantly learning. You're constantly, you know, hearing new music. And, and I think that's what's joyful about the business that I do is, is that, you know, I get to exposed to so many different things that I wouldn't be if I was just a normal person, you know, listening to the radio or getting involved in live music. And that's what, you know, going to the college days was so exciting for me because I got, because we did so many different things. Like, you know, we had President Carter and Ford and all these people speaking and, you know, all these films and, you know, Jacques Cousteau and all these kind of crazy things that I never would have seen or, you know, been able to experience. But because of, of, of being in the event business, I was exposed to that. And I feel like I'm certainly a better person for it. But I learned early on that, you know, it's, it's not so much what I like. And if I try to force and do events that only I like, I won't be successful. <laughs> yeah, you've got to cater to the, to the audience that's out there. And, right. Uh, but is there a moment, uh, you know, obviously growing up, you had your favorites, and then you get into event management and you're doing these things and booking concerts. Was there a moment where, like, oh, I grew up listening to X and now I've booked them at my arena? Was there that kind of... Yeah, I mean, I remember, um, like, Paul McCartney the first time. And, you know, you kind of grow up listening to that music. But then when you hear it live for the first time, like, it's just very emotional. Um, you know, and you think, oh, my God, like, wow, that is the most beautiful song I've ever heard. Or, you know, a great band like the Eagles, you know, and, and hearing them live and, and just, you know, knowing the Hotel California album, every song was a hit. Yeah. You know, that's just, it's, it's so amazing to be able to get to experience that. You know, there are a lot of, you know, obviously I didn't get to see Elvis. I didn't get to see Queen. Uh, in its, you know, original, uh, you know, so I didn't get to see the Bee Gees when they were, you know, so there's certain things that I remember missing uh, that I wished I would have seen, uh, but, you know, certainly have, have had, uh, you know, a, a great blessing to see a lot of great shows. You've been kind of responsible for booking thousands and thousands and thousands of shows over your career. Any stories you can share with us about particular bookings or acts where... Well, I just didn't know till the day it came together that it was coming together. Well, it's it's kind of weird. Like I, I, I was thinking about that the other day. Um, we were doing uh, when I was right out of college, and I was promoting some Broadway shows in about thirteen or fourteen markets. Uh, I remember doing Annie at this theater in Minneapolis, and you know there was a part where there was um, uh, uh, a TV or a movie part where it's part of the show and there we've got the equipment in the back and somehow the equipment you know falls and it it goes in the seat in front of and hits this little girl and you know we have to stop the show and all this kind of stuff and it was just like and people wanted their money back and you know the sound didn't work very well after that it was just like one of those kind of crazy uh things that kind of happened but that was kind of one of those kind of weird experiences early on in my career uh but i you know i've been i've been 
pretty fortunate not to have you know anything major in a negative uh, standpoint happen. Um, but you know we're always cognizant of, of things happening like that. But um, yeah, so uh, was there a big show that you got that you weren't sure you were ever going to be able to? Um, well, I can tell you, like opening uh, the BOK Center in Tulsa, it was. Uh, I had, we had to work really, really hard to convince Irving uh, to do the Eagles there. Um, and really? Yeah, yeah. It that was. seems like a That's very an easy surprising. Sell. Yeah. Well, if you, it was kind of like here. I mean, people, it wasn't really a market, uh, so people were kind of, well, can you sell nineteen thousand seats in Tulsa, Oklahoma? And uh, luckily. You know, we while Celine Dion wasn't our first show there, it was the first show that we announced and put on sale, and all of a sudden, you know, it sold out, and then people were like, oh, well, maybe that could be a market. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of like that here. You know, it, it when new markets, new buildings, it, it, it takes a moment for the building to breathe and to really gain its sea legs, so to speak, uh, and be able to be successful. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, those are kind of those, you know, amazing opportunities and then being able to do it ended up, we ended up doing you know two shows of the eagles and then we ended up um doing two shows of paul mccartney and in, in tulsa uh, which was great uh so those kind of things are cool and then you know during my work with smg you know being involved in a lot of you know stadium shows and things like that was really really awesome to be a part of you know the rolling stones and those kind of things as well i'm sure it's impossible to pick but if you had to name like the top three shows that you were really glad you were not just a part of, but got to see and, and enjoy. Well, definitely, you know, Paul McCartney, definitely. I, 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 I'm a huge fan of, of Celine Dion. I just, you know, I'm just devastated over her, you know, her, her illness and, mm -hmm. you know, the troubles that she's having. And hopefully uh, one day we'll get to see her live again. Um, you know, but, you know, I think back to things that have really, like, personally – you know, affected me in a, in a very positive way, but like listening to like Alison Krauss and, and just the other night, you know, seeing Bonnie Raitt again, like I remember seeing, you know, Linda Ronstadt and the Neville brothers uh, and Aaron Neville together and thinking, oh my God, this is just, you know, amazing. It's not going to ever be any better than this. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. so you just, you, you have those kind of experiences and, you know, like, like Chris Stapleton, you know, I saw him at the Greek theater for the first time. And then, you know, when, when he, the first time he played out here at Coachella and, uh, you know, just thinking, my God, this guy could just sing the phone book and I'd be happy. You know I mean? Just those kind of, you know, experiences, um, are really, really awesome and cool. You've but, lived a lot of different places, obviously, yeah. uh, kind of compare and contrast because the Coachella Valley is kind of an animal unto itself. Uh, I mean, we do have great access to L.A., and, and you, you, if you want to go and do that, it's easy to do that and get to the beaches. But but you were in Philly before here, and Philly, I, I was just there last summer. It's got a whole different vibe. Yeah, so, you know, I like more of the small-town feel of, of, of places. I guess that probably has a lot to do of, of where I grew up uh, in, you know, LA, Lower Alabama. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I, I love just being a part of, of the relaxed environment that we have here and, uh, you know, people being just, I think, genuine. And, and what I love about this area is that, you know, there are a lot of people who are retired or, you know, have, you know, retired early, retired late. And so it becomes more about you as a person versus you and what job you have. And, uh, 
that's one of the cool things that I really enjoy about it because so much of our lives are, you know, all based around, oh, well, what does he do? Does he run this company? Does he do that? But here it just becomes about who you are as a person. And I, I, I really enjoy that because it's, you get to know people personally, not so much professionally. And, you know, people are not 100% defined by the job that they have. And I, that's been a, a cool and unique thing for me to realize of living out here versus in other places. I think, I think that's... Uh a lot of the reason why we see a lot of celebrities and such coming into the valley because mm-hmm. they know they can walk around, they can be left alone, and they can just be who they want to be. Right. Um, we had to start this podcast because Randy had to have something to do. I, I did, yeah. <laughs> and because his wife specifically needed him out of the house. Yeah, she was not very happy when I retired uh, for a number of reasons. Um, the arena has now been up and running for a whole, what, three months now? Pretty much, yes. Um, What, looking back now, what are, is there anything that you think you need to upgrade or change or improve now that you've had the shows and almost a full hockey season? That's a great question. Um, You know, I think we want to continue to um, look at, you know, our, the food offerings that we have and continue. Which, by the way, are really good. Well, thank you. I had you. a fish sandwich last night. <laughs> we, uh, we love, you know, involving uh, local uh, folks in what we do. I love the partnership with Shaquille O'Neal. Um, I love the partnership with Giada uh, on the Italian side. Um, you know, I love, you know, Fisherman's Market being in there. I love promoting, you know, Brandini. Um, you know, so I, I hope that we can continue to improve upon that. Um, I know a guy with an Italian sausage company. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that you are promoting, I'll I'll get back to that in a moment. The fact that you are promoting local businesses, I think is so cool in there. Uh, And a sausage company called Folbio is a local company. It's local, yeah. yeah. I run it out of my house. Well, that's another podcast. Yeah, I can't, you know, say much but not mention buzzbox as well oh yeah i mean it's exciting for them to get involved with us to be involved in a lot of our other arenas and and what they've done it's just since they came into the valley is phenomenal so excited um for that company to continue to grow and, and to be successful and you know they're just a great group of people who work really really hard and uh you know their their bars are our number one uh uh, places in the arena, so you know it's it's great to have them as a partner here, but open the door to other uh, OBG venues as well. You talked about um, arenas kind of develop their own personality and life cycle and everything, and of course this arena is. Um, and after that that first night uh, where people had some complaints about parking yes. and driving and everything like that, it seems like everything has settled down for pretty tremendously. Is there any discussion about what we might be able to do to help improve the rideshare situation in the arena, which I think is something everybody would like to be able to do? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the answer there is simple. Um, you know, we have easy in and out for rideshare. It's just getting more people uh, to participate and become involved in rideshare uh, and go to work for Uber and Lyft uh, because that's been the key uh, uh, for a long time, you know, we, we reached out to on all the taxi companies as well, um, you know, and trying to get them to, you know, to, to service uh, where we are. Uh, but hopefully, you know, 
us being year-round encourages more uh, participation in those programs uh, because that's the way you know we can grow. I mean, we, we certainly have the infrastructure and uh, want people to use rideshare as much as possible, um, but it, it just becomes you know sometimes. Uh, difficult uh, to get you know people to to pick up after the event, uh, and I noticed it immediately. You know, living in Palm Springs, uh, you know, living close to the airport, and even like trying to get an Uber to the airport or from the airport, um, sometimes was very very difficult. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully over time, us being year round, uh, that will get more people you know working for Uber and Lyft to. You know, be able to service when that. There seems to be, when there is a demand for that, the, the people who drive for Uber and Lyft tend to kind of follow the demand. Mm-hmm. And I think as you guys continue to grow and, and, you know, there's a need for people to be driving at 11 o'clock to get people home, you're going to see more of those people yes. coming online. I think that's, it might take a little while, but yeah. that seems to be a natural progression. I, I've seen it improve since we opened, and I just hope that, you know, after the season, so to speak, goes away that people still are active and doing that and the business is there for them uh any opportunity to get sunline more involved over at the arena we've talked to them um it it seems like a pretty difficult long process um because you know our hours are irregular uh there's no you know real stops that are you know made there and it just um you know I, i think both of us uh would love to see something happen um but you know just talking to them it just seems like a there's got to be more development around us uh, for it to make sense. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Ten years from now, in, in your vision, what would you like to see around the arena? Well, I would definitely love to see um, hotels and restaurants um, and hopefully some other attractions, uh, you know, whether that be water-related or not uh, uh, there. Uh, hopefully some, you know, housing uh, whether that be you know condos or houses or whatever that might be, uh, I think that would be great. Apartments, um, you know that that you know kind of a mixed use uh, development, uh, I think would be very very great for where we are. Well, you know traditionally in the valley, it's it's been tougher to grow communities north of the freeway, yeah, for, for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, but to have an anchor like the arena. Uh, I mean, it's a natural to no-brainer that, you know, you're going to see those. Re- I'm sure there are already great plans for some terrific restaurant venues yeah. right there because people want to have those dining options before the shows and before the hockey games that, that you don't provide on site. Right. So that will happen naturally. But then that mixed use is seeing housing opportunities come along. Uh, obviously, coming out of the pandemic, when growth was very slow here in the valley and, and everywhere, it, it'll change, and I think it'll change pretty quickly. But you guys have positioned yourselves really well to encourage that growth around the arena itself, which in Mid Valley, in that location, uh, I was never a fan of the idea of putting it in downtown Palm Springs. I think this, you know, however it worked out, right? The circumstances that put you guys there. It, that's a very serendipitous thing because it's in a very good spot. Yeah, 100%. And I think it really has helped um, us with events, but also the team as well into really creating, um, you know, a, a place that everyone feels like they have easy access to. And being Mid-Valley uh, is really, really uh, great for us. And the exposure on I-10 is really, really helpful. Visibility be- 
from people driving from L.A. to Arizona and vice versa. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I have had so many people say, hey, I just saw a new building off of 10. What was that? That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and with the project in, in, in Palm Springs, like there wasn't even a marquee uh, because we were so, you know, tight right there next to the casino. And uh, so it, it's, it, it really opens up, I think, and gives us a lot of promotion ability that we didn't have uh, in the original location. So, John, hopefully... Uh, 24-7 isn't just running an arena. What do you do in the Valley to have a good time? Um, well, you know, for the last uh, six or eight months, it's kind of been a fog, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to a vacation here uh, soon. So, But other than that, like, you know, we enjoy, um, you know, going to a lot of events, doing stuff. I mean, we're huge tennis fans. Um, you know, I just pinch myself. To live, to know that I live here and can just pull right up and walk right in and see, you know, the best tennis in the world. I, I love that. We love Modernism Week in Palm Springs. We love the film festival. Uh, you know, we love going to. It, you know, it was it was it was funny to me because I, I obviously lived here for three years before the arena opened, and you know, we were so busy all the time going to stuff, doing events, doing things, and in my mind, it was even hard for me to get around what would another 120 event nights mean for not only us, but the rest of the Valley as well. And so, you know, you just add to what we're already doing and, you know, like you take, you know, Saturday night, for example, I mean, we're going to have a sold out concert at the same time, you know, they're having record numbers at, at the tennis event at the BNP. So, you know, it just tells me that, you know, people, things, multiple things can be successful at the same time, which is really encouraging to me. Um, and knowing that, you know, there's there's hockey going on at the same time as a tournament and that's doing well. Um, so, you know, it, it, it I think it paints a, a positive picture for the future. But, you know, obviously uh, I, I've become familiar with pickleball, uh, <laughs> although I'm, I'm not a, a pro uh, at it as, as others are, but uh, certainly noticed that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just more of, you know, socializing and meeting people and, you know, going in and, and just taking advantage of all of the things that are around us and, and not being um, isolated to the place that you live, um, you know, and really trying to get out and experience, you know, what's cool in all nine cities versus just the one that you live in. Yeah, I agree. What do you want us to know about the arena coming up? What's the big show that you can't tell us about? Um, well, ho- <laughs> hopefully, uh, you know, it, it it will be announced here soon. I was hoping it would be this week. Uh, it would be a big show. Uh, that We can announce it here if you'd like, John. I yeah, mean, well, it's, uh, you know. <laughs> our I, listener would like to hear. I might, I might get uh, kicked down the street if I did that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of cool things. And, you know, like, I, I can't underestimate, you know, the effect of Harry Styles playing the building. You know, obviously, you know, just that that happening was really really huge for us uh because you're really establishing a brand it was huge for the valley yeah yeah yeah. um so yeah i mean i i'm just do you know how hard i had to work to keep my two teenage daughters from knowing about that (laughs) (laughs) you had just gotten tickets to the snoop show snoop dog show at sam's club (laughs) oh yeah i know and you know the other thing too i'd throw in is you know we're excited you know, we, we made a significant donation uh, to the Plaza Theater Capital Campaign. And thank you for that. That was amazing. Uh, a million dollars? Yes, a million dollars. And, you know, I have to say that, you know, even before I took the job, 
uh, Mayor Moon had given Tim a, a, a tour of, of the Plaza Theater and said, hey, we're trying to restore this project and you guys need to be involved. And I remember Tim saying, even like, I can't, it, it was either the week of or the week before saying, you know, once you get on the ground, you know, you need to find out everything about that and we need to find a way uh, for us to help them uh, restore that theater. And then, you know, Todd Lawicki, who is Tim's brother and also CEO of the Seattle Kraken, uh, has a home in Palm Springs. Uh, and he has become uh, really, really excited about the project and uh, is all over there uh, almost every other week uh, with a different group of people touring. And, you know, we've been able to involve a lot of people from Seattle uh, into the project. So, you know, we're excited about, you know, helping them raise the money uh, to restore that theater. Um, because, you know, every every experience that people have with live music, live events, uh, helps everyone. It gets, you know, gets people like, like you know, I, uh, just going to Bonnie Raitt the other night and seeing that, you know, pretty much sold out, knowing that those people had a great experience. They love live music and that's good for everybody because they continue to go when you have, when you enjoy, you know, going out and doing stuff. Uh, and that's what we're all about. And so having, you know, small places, large places, medium places doing shows and events, I think it's good for all of us. Well, I think I, I really love to hear that because you guys could be just the 800 pound gorilla in the room, but yeah. you're not, you're working with all of these other smaller venues because the rising tide raises all the boats. Yeah. And, and I, you've become a part of the community. Well, thank yeah. you. In a very short amount of time. Yeah. And I, I you know, I enjoy, uh, you know, talking to Mitch at the McCallum and, you know, knowing that, you know, they're successful and, you know, having great events and, you know, before we opened and I wasn't working all the, all the time uh, <laughs> on the evenings, you know, enjoy going to a lot of events there as well. Uh, so it's just great to see, you know, everybody being successful because the more people and the more, you know, habits that we can create of people going out and doing, you know, live music, seeing live music, live events uh, is, is good for all of us. Well, John, we're hoping we can get you on here again in the future because there's going to be a lot more news coming in. Again, I want to just congratulate you well, and the you. team on how quickly you've assimilated into this valley and the, and the benefit that you've brought. You know, a lot of people come into the town and it takes them a good 10 or 15 years to kind of get their feet dug in. You guys did it quickly and you did it right. So congratulations on that. And thanks for what you've brought to the valley. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, thanks to you personally for, you know, being a part of that uh, because, you know, uh, your, your work with Palm Desert was, was really helpful uh, to us. And, uh, you know, we, we had a lot of conversations uh, a year or two ago about, hey, can we get these restaurants to open later <laughs> now that we're going to be open? This 8 o'clock closing at the, you know, these restaurants. I mean, my goodness, this is crazy. Uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, we're, we're making some progress. Well, there. you're having to teach the community. There's, there's different hours than we've been living yeah. all our lives. We don't all have to eat before an event. That's we can eat right. after as well. It's a learning curve, but it will happen. <laughs> you're bringing great events, and, and you've been a great community partner. Well, and, thank you. Uh, it's, a, it's a terrific addition to the valley thank you we we love doing it and uh just feel excited uh, to be a part of it and excited about the future well we appreciate you being a part of big conversations little bar and we, the the seat is always open when you want to come back well, thank you time. thanks for doing this john bolton thanks for being here thanks to our producer and engineer john mcmullen my partner patrick evans randy always a pleasure it is you found yet another excuse for us to hang out at Little Bar for and another have couple a drink. of hours. You're welcome, Skip. <laughs> Where is Skip? He's hiding. He's, He's watching tennis. Okay. That's right. 
Thanks for listening to Big Conversations Little Bar. Join Randy and Patrick next time as we keep the conversation going right here on Big Conversations Little Bar. Little Bar.